ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so today then we'll recap over some of the sections that we've done so far the beginning of Kitab al-Tawheed, when we started, the Shaykh, al-Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullahu ta'ala, had begun by mentioning the ayah, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ When Allah stated that I did not create the jinn of the humans except for them to worship me. In this opening ayah, we were informed of the purpose of our creation, which is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We were also informed in this ayah that our worship needs to be upon tawheed to Allah. Illa liya'budun, as the Salaf they said, illa liyuwahidun. That I did not create them except for them to worship me upon tawheed. Then after that the Shaykh had mentioned the ayah. وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةِ الرَّسُولَ أَنْ يَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ That indeed we sent to every nation a messenger preaching, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and stay away from the false deities. This ayah highlighted to us that after Allah created us and with that purpose of worshipping Him alone upon Tawheed, He did not leave us without guidance, rather... He sent the prophets and the messengers with the guidance in order that the people are then made aware of what this Tawheed is and made aware of what the shirk is in order that they may remove themselves from that shirk and bring themselves back to the origin of mankind which is Tawheed. Then the Shaykh had mentioned, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ Again, here Allah mentioned that He has decreed you do not worship except Him. All of these ayat, you notice that there is affirmation and negation in them. That Allah affirms the worship to Himself alone, and He negates the worship from all others besides Him. In the next ayah, similarly, وَاعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and do not commit any shirk. Affirmation of worship to Allah, negation of worship from all others besides Allah. Then after that, there was the statement of Allah, قُلْ تَعَالَوْ أَتْلُ مَحَرَّمَ رَبُّكُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ أَلَّا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Again this ayah, Allah highlights the same point once again. The point of worshipping Him alone upon Tawheed and not to commit any form of shirk alongside Him. This was the opening sections of Kitab al-Tawheed which laid down the foundations of what this book is to study. It laid down the foundations of what this book will cover. 
And they are the aspects of the Tawheed of Al-Uluhiyyah. Hence we came across previously the narration of Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu qal when he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned to him when he himself was riding on a donkey behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ya Mu'adh أَتَدْرِي مَا حَقُّ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْعِبَادِ وَمَا حَقُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى اللَّهِ O Mu'adh, do you know what the right of Allah is upon His servants? And what the right of the servants upon Allah is? Mu'adh said, Allah wa Rasuluhu a'lam. Allah and His Messenger know best. And that is something that would be mentioned when the Prophet ﷺ was alive. After his death, then it is sufficient to say, and all that is required is Allahu A'lam. And we do not say Allahu wa Rasuluhu A'lam. Now that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has passed away and the revelation has ceased. So then he clarified to him that the right of Allah upon the servants is an ta'buduhu wa la tushriku bihi shay'a. That you worship him alone and you do not commit any shirk with him. And the right of the servants upon Allah not that the servants have any rights, but something that Allah has bestowed upon them is, as a virtue upon them, that Allah will not punish those who do not commit shirk alongside him. Then Mu'adh, he said, radiallahu anhu, أَفَلَا أُبَشِّرُ nas. Shall I not go and give glad tidings to the people of this? So the Prophet said, Do not give them the glad tidings lest they become reliant upon that or dependent upon that. So that opening chapter <coughs> which we covered a long time ago, it laid down the foundations in explaining Tawheed, in explaining that the purpose of creation and the manner of worship that is prescribed upon us all, is to worship Allah alone, and to reject the worship of anything besides Allah. In the second chapter we had covered, Bab Fadlu Tawheed wa Maykathiru Min Ad-Dhunub, the chapter regarding the virtues of Tawheed, and what it expiates from sins. In that chapter we had covered the ayah, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمِ those who have iman, Allah said in the Quran, those who have iman, and then do not mix their iman with zulm. Ula'ika, they are the ones, lahumul amn, who have the safety security, wahum muhtadun, and they are rightly guided. When this ayah was revealed, what occurred to the companions? When this ayah was revealed, the companions, they went to the Prophet wasallam and they said, how can we implement this ayah? All of us, we fall into this. The ayah says, those who have iman, then do not mix that iman with zulm. They are the ones who will have safety and security and will be rightly guided. They said, all of us, we mix sometimes into zulm. We do something wrong, we do errors, we have shortcomings. So how can we implement this? So then the Prophet ﷺ explained to them that the zulm here, it is referring to shirk. 
Because dhulm can be different types. And as the ayah in the Quran says, Inna ash-shirka la-dhulmun azim. Indeed, shirk is a great dhulm. So the ayah here, the meaning of it is, those who have iman, then they do not mix their iman with shirk. They do not mix their iman with shirk. Then they are the ones who have the safety and security from Allah. And they are the ones who are rightly guided. As for the other types of dhulm, then they are mentioned in the hadith Qudsi when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنِّي حَرَّمْتُ الظُّلْمَ عَلَى نَفْسِي وَجَعَلْتُهُ بَيْنَكُمْ مُحَرَّمًا فَلَا تَظَالَمُوا That I have made oppression haram upon myself, and I have made it haram amongst yourselves, so do not commit oppression to one another. In that uh, hadith, it clarifies the different types of oppression. One is the oppression that is between the servant and his lord, and that is the oppression of shirk. Another form of oppression, another type of dhulm, is the dhulm that you do between yourselves and other people. That type of dhulm, if you do not seek forgiveness and give back the rights to the people, then on the day of judgment, the judgment will be made between you and the rights will be given back. And the third type, the dhulm that you do between yourself and yourself. You do dhulm to yourself. How? By committing sins. So these are the different types, and here the intent is the dhulm of shirk. Then we had also covered the narration of Ubadah ibn Samit. رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من شهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله وأن عيسى عبد الله ورسوله وكلمته ألقاها إلى مريم وروح منه والجنة حق والنار حق أدخله الله الجنة على ما كان من العمل This hadith which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever bears testification that none has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah. He alone without any partners. And that Muhammad is the servant and the messenger of Allah. And that Isa alayhi salam is the servant and the messenger of Allah. And the word that Allah cast upon Maryam and the spirit from him. And that paradise is truth and hellfire is truth. Then Allah will enter him into paradise upon what he is on his actions. This narration highlighted to us again the importance of the Tawheed. That the one who testifies to the Tawheed, testifies to La ilaha illallah, testifies that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, and that Muhammad is the servant and the messenger of Allah. Therefore, not falling into exaggeration or negligence with regards to the rights of the Prophet wasallam. Affirming that he is a servant of Allah, therefore not falling into the extremism of those who claim that he was more than just a servant, that he had some degree of lordship in him, or that he was superior in terms of being made from light and walking without a shadow, and that you can make dua to him. All of that is exaggeration with regards to the rights of the Prophet ﷺ. Rather, here the hadith affirms that we say, he is the servant of Allah. But then at the same time, he is the messenger of Allah. So he has been given that revelation, he has been chosen by Allah, 
He is the best of creation. So we affirm that, and that is the way of Ahlul Sunnah with regards to the Prophet ﷺ, not the way of the people of innovation and the people of desires who go to an extreme with regards to the Prophet ﷺ, and they begin to say he is made out of light, and they celebrate his birthday, and they do all types of affairs. Rather, we do not fall into that, and neither do we fall into negligence. For those people who abandon the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and do not practice it, for indeed Allah said in the Qur'an, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوهُ That which the Prophet ﷺ gives you, then take it. And that which he prohibits you from, then refrain and abstain from it. Then after that, we came to the narration of Itban, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَى النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Allah has made haram the hellfire upon the one who says La ilaha illallah <coughs> Desiring the face of Allah Meaning sincerely for the sake of Allah The one who testifies to Tawheed Sincerely And acts upon it And knows the meaning of it And similarly in the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri Radiyallahu anhu We had come across the narration قَالَ مُوسَى Musa alayhi salam, he said, يَا رَبِّهِ My Lord, عَلِّمْنِي شَيْئًا أَذْكُرُكَ وَأَدْعُوكَ بِهِ Teach me something that I can call upon you with, and I can remember you with. قَالَ يَا مُوسَى قُلْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Say, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ أَوْ مُوسَى قَالَ يَا رَبِّ كُلُّ عِبَادِكَ يَقُولُونَ هَذَا but all of your servants, they say this. قال يا موسى لو أن السماوات سبع وعامرهن غيري والأراضين سبع في كفة ولا إله إلا الله في كفة مالت بهن لا إله إلا الله. That if all of the heavens and the earth and everything that exists within them was on one side of the weighing scale and لا إله إلا الله was on the other side of the weighing scale then la ilaha illallah would outweigh all of that. Similarly, there was the narration of a tirmidhi from Anas, where he said, I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam say, so look at this narration now, and it explains to you how Tawheed expiates your sins, wipes out your sins. That Allah said, Yabna Adam, لَوْ أَتَيْتَنِي بِقُرَابِ الْأَرْضِ خَطَايَا ثُمَّ لَقِيْتَنِي لَمْ تُشْرِكْ بِي أَوْ لَا تُشْرِكْ بِي شَيْئًا لَأَتَيْتُكَ بِقُرَابِهَا مَغْفِرًا Oh my servant, oh the son of Adam, if you were to come to me with an earth full of mistakes and errors and sins, but you did not commit shirk, you met me and you come on the day of judgment with an earth full of mistakes and errors, but you have not committed shirk, then I will come to you with a similar amount of forgiveness. Such is the status of the one who does not commit shirk, and he is upon tawheed. Then we also learnt in the chapter that followed, that the one who practices and implements this tawheed, then for that person is paradise without any accountability. For that person is a paradise, entrance into paradise, without any accountability. And that was, for example, 
in the narration regarding, or the ayah rather, regarding Ibrahim alayhi salam, inna Ibrahim kana ummatan qanitan lillahi hanifa, wa lam yakum minal mushrikeen. That Ibrahim alayhi salam, he was an ummah in of himself. Qanitan, continuous and persistent upon his worship of Allah. Constant, consistent upon his worship of Allah. Hanifan, upon tawheed. وَلَمْ يَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And he was not from amongst the mushrikeen. Then similarly we came across that famous narration. The narration of Hussein ibn Abdurrahman. He said he was sitting with Sa'id ibn Jubair. Who said to them, أَيُّكُمْ رَأَ الْكَوْكَبَ الَّذِي انْقَدَّ الْبَارِحَةِ Who from amongst you saw the star that fell last night? The shooting star from last night. So he said, Anna, I saw it. Then he said to them, But I did not see it because I was praying at night. Do not think that. Rather, it was because I was stung. And so they said to him, What did you do when you were stung? By a poisonous animal. He said, I did the ruqiyah on myself. They said to him, What did you do that for? Why? What is your proof? He said because of a hadith that a shabi narrated to us from the Prophet ﷺ. They said to him, what did he narrate to you? He said he narrated to us that the Prophet ﷺ said, لا illa min ain That there is no ruqya except from the evil eye and from the poisonous stings. So they said to him, قَدْ أَحْسَنَ مَنْ انْتَهَى إِلَى مَا سَمِعَ How good it is that you stop at the evidences that you've heard. That is the evidence you heard, so you practiced your evidence. How good is that behavior and practice? But then, it was said to him, However, Ibn Abbas narrated to us from the Prophet ﷺ, that all of the previous nations, they were shown to me. And so, I saw a Prophet and he had with him a group of people, a handful, several people, three to ten. And I saw another prophet, he only had a couple of people with him. And I saw another one, he only had one person with him. And I saw somebody, he didn't have anybody with him. Or rather, I saw a person with one or two, and I saw one without anyone. I saw a prophet with one or two people with him, and I saw a prophet with no one with him. Then a huge amount of people was raised up, and I thought they were my ummah, but they were the ummah of Musa alayhi salam. Then another huge amount of people were shown to me, and they were my ummah. And then it was said to me, هَذِهِ أُمَّتُكَ This is your ummah. وَمَعَهُمْ سَبْعُونَ أَلْفًا يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ وَلَا عَذَابِ There were 70,000 amongst them who will enter paradise without any accountability or prior punishment. The scholars have said that there are authentic narrations which state that with every thousand of that 70,000, there will be Another thousand. That the 70,000 isn't the only figure. It is actually greater than that. There are more than actually 70,000. There are more ahadith which highlight there will be even more figures than just 70,000 who will enter paradise without accountability or prior punishment. So then they explained to him why the Prophet ﷺ had mentioned about these 70,000 and what the reasons were. And so it was mentioned that they are the ones la yastarqoon, they do not go seeking ruqya, wa la yaktawoon, they do not perform the cauterization, 
and they do not fall into the suspicions and omens. And they have their trust and their dependence, their reliance completely in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then it is mentioned, Ukasha ibn Mihsun, when he stood up and he said to the Prophet ﷺ, make dua that Allah makes me from those people. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Anta minhum, you are from amongst them. Then another person got up and he said, make dua that I am from them. But then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Akasha beat you to it. Sabaqaka, sabaqaka biha ukasha. Then we also learnt after learning these great virtues of Tawheed and how they wipe away your sins and how paradise is promised for the people of Tawheed. We then also learnt in a chapter which followed that a person just because he's guided now to the truth and to Tawheed you do not feel safe and comfortable and relaxed and think you're safe you're in paradise. Rather you have that constant fear. Ahlu Sunnah always balanced between hope and fear. So the fear of falling into shirk is still there. Hence it is mentioned in the Qur'an, or rather because Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشَرَكَ بِي وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ Allah does not forgive that you commit shirk with him, but he forgives all else to whom he wills. Allah does not forgive that you commit shirk with him, but he forgives to all else to whom he wills. So that one act of shirk, it is the one sin if you do it, you will not be forgiven, hellfire forever, for the one who dies upon major shirk. This is something which causes us to be fearful of that, fearful of falling into shirk. Because if we fell into it, and died upon it, if a person did that, then he would be in the hellfire forever. And we see the example of Ibrahim salam. Ibrahim salam who was the greatest of the prophets and the messengers after the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Khalilullah, the most beloved to Allah, alongside the prophet And <coughs> it is mentioned about him, despite his high rank and status as a great messenger of Allah, second greatest of all of the messengers, still he was fearful of shirk. And he made dua to Allah, وَجَنُوبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنَّ عَبُودَ الْأَصْنَامِ Protect me and my offspring from worshipping the idols. Protect me and my offspring from worshipping the idols. Because as the ayat they go on to mention, Those idols they have misguided many from amongst the people. So protect me and keep me safe from falling into the worship of the idols. The Salaf, they said, if Ibrahim salam feared for himself, that shirk may occur. And he's asking Allah, making dua, protect me from shirk, and my offspring from shirk. Then what therefore of the rest of us who have nothing like the status of Ibrahim salam? Then surely we need to be upon fear of that, and make dua to Allah to keep our hearts firm upon the guidance and protected from shirk. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, أَخْوَفُ مَا أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ أَشْشِرْكُ الْأَصْغَرْ فَسُئِلَ عَنْهُ فَقَالَ الْرِيَاءِ That the greatest thing that I fear upon you is minor shirk. One of the forms of shirk, the minor shirk, the concealed shirk. They said to him, what is that? He said, showing off. 
So these types of minor shirk and concealed shirk, a person needs to be aware of them particularly, because a person may fall into them and he does not realize or does not focus. Then we had the narration of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, further highlighting the virtue of tawheed and the evil of the one who dies upon shirk. Where the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ مَاتَ وَهُوَ يَدْعُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ نِدَّا دَخَلَ النَّارِ The hadith in Bukhari, whoever dies calling upon others besides Allah, then he will be in the hellfire. Whoever dies calling upon others besides Allah, then he will be in the hellfire. <laughs> and in the hadith of Jabir, that Muslim reported, that the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ لَقِيَ اللَّهَ لَا يُشْرِكُ بِهِ شَيْءَ دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ Whoever meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not committing any shirk, then he will enter paradise. وَمَنْ لَقِيَهُ يُشْرِكُ بِهِ شَيْءٌ And whomsoever dies committing shirk, then he will enter the hellfire. So these narrations highlight very clearly the reward of the one who dies upon tawheed and the evil end result of the one who dies upon shirk. Then we also learnt that it is upon us to begin with Tawheed as our da'wah. That the first thing you call to is Tawheed. After having learnt its virtues, having learnt its great status, and how it brings paradise for the person, and the one who opposes it, then that person is in the hellfire, the one who dies upon major shirk. Then we also learnt that it is upon us to call to Tawheed as the first thing. Because that is where the salvation lies. Salvation lies in practicing of Tawheed. And destruction lies in the practicing of Shirk. Hence the greatest thing when it comes to enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. The greatest form of good that can be enjoined is Tawheed. That is the greatest good to be enjoined. And the greatest evil to be warned against is shirk. So here we see the ayah where Allah said, قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَصِيرًا Say that this is my path, the path of tawheed, and I call to Allah upon insight. Indicating therefore that the path that you call to is the path to Allah, the path to tawheed. That is the call of the Muslim, the da'wah of the Muslim, calling the people to tawheed, to the path of Allah, upon insight and knowledge. Then also we saw the famous narration of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhumah, that the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen, and he said to him, إِنَّكَ تَأْتِي قَوْمًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلُ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ then make sure when you get to Yemen, because you're going to come across the people of the book, make sure that the first thing you call them to is the testimony of La ilaha illallah. This is what the Prophet ﷺ commanded Mu'adhim Jabal to do when he goes there to give them da'wah to the Christians and the Jews, to call them to the da'wah of Tawheed primarily before anything else. Then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, if they accept that, if they accept Tawheed, then you can tell them about the prayer and the zakat, and the other affairs of the religion. We also came across the hadith of Sahal ibn Sa'ad, 
regarding the battle of Khaybar. When the battle of Khaybar occurred, the Prophet ﷺ said to them, لَأُعْطِيَنَّ الرَّايَةِ أو لَأُعْطِيَنَّ الرَّايَةِ غَدًا رَجُلًا يُحِبُّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولُهُ وَيُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ <coughs> That tomorrow I am going to give the flag of the army to a man who loves Allah and the Messenger. And Allah and His Messenger love him. So it's mentioned, فَبَاتَ النَّاسُ The people went to sleep that night, يَدُوكُونَ لَيْلَتَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ يُعْطَاهَا they went to sleep discussing and mentioning who would be given this flag. And that was when the narration of Umar ibn al-Khattab was mentioned, that he said he had never desired authority ever, uh, but except on that night, except on that night, he wanted to be given the flag too. Not because of the authority, but because there was a testimony of the Prophet ﷺ, whoever's given the flag is somebody Allah loves, and is somebody the Messenger loves. So everybody wanted to be the one whom Allah and His Messenger love. As the Salaf they used to say, لَيْسَ شَأْنُ أَن تُحِبَّ وَلَكِنَّ شَأْنَ أَن It is not the affair that you love Allah and the Messenger, but really the affair is, if Allah and the Messenger love you. So the people, they all wanted to be from those, to be from that one whom Allah and His Messenger love. And in the end the flag was given to Ali ibn Abi Talib, he had been absent from that battle initially due to a problem in the eye. So the Prophet ﷺ spittled into his eye and he was cured and he was given the flag. But the point of it being, when he was given the flag, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, even at the time of battle, Unfud ala rislika hatta tasila aw tanzila bisahatihim. Go carefully until you arrive at their boundaries. When you get there, this is battle we're talking about. Even then the Prophet ﷺ said to Ali radiallahu anhu, ثُمَّ إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ Call them to Islam first. Give them da'wah. When you get close by, near, before any battle starts, first call them to Islam. Give them da'wah. Give them the message. Preach to them. وَأَخْبِرْهُمْ بِمَا يَجِبُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ حَقِّ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فِيهِ And tell them what is obligatory upon them from the rights of Allah upon them. فَوَاللَّهِ لَأَنْ يَهْدِيَ اللَّهُ بِكَ رَجُلًا وَاحِدًا خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنْ حُمْرِ النِّعَمِ Because even if Allah guides one person through you, then that is better for you than the red camels. The red camels in those days were very valuable. So here again we see that the first thing that Ali ibn Abi Talib رضي الله عنه was told to call those people to was Tawheed, even at the time of battle. He was told, when you get there first, call them to Tawheed. If they accept, that's it. No need for any battle. If they do not, then the affair may escalate beyond that. Then we came across the ayah in the chapter regarding the explanation of Tawheed. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ يَبْتَغُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمُ أَيُّهُمْ This is an ayah that some of the people of deviation may use. They say this ayah where Allah says, those whom they are calling upon, they are seeking a wasila to their Lord. Who can be closer? The people of deviance, they say, look, this ayah affirms that you should be seeking a wasila. The ayah affirms that you should be seeking a wasila. But the reality is the ayah does not affirm that. The ayah does not affirm that you are seeking a wasila as they understand what the wasila is. 
They understand the wasila to be going to the prophets and the graves of the deceased and calling upon them and calling upon the other righteous. They think that is the wasila. That is not the wasila. The wasila that is being spoken about in this ayah is good deeds and obedience to Allah and worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what they are seeking. The angels are seeking that to be upon obedience and closeness to Allah. And the prophets are seeking that to be upon obedience and closeness to Allah. That is the wasila that you seek through your worship and obedience to gain closeness to Allah. Not the wasila how they understand it, go to the graves and make dua to the dead. That is shirk. Then we also saw how even Ibrahim salam gave this da'wah of tawheed to his own parents, to his father. When it mentions in the Qur'an, وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ إِنَّنِي بَرَاءٌ مِّمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ إِلَّا الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي Ibrahim salam said to his father and to his people, Indeed, I am innocent of what you worship. I am innocent of the affairs that you worship. And the only one that I worship, إِلَّا الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي The one who created me. I worship only the one who created me. <coughs> then we also saw the ayah, اِتَّخَذُوا أَحْبَارَهُمْ وَرُهْبَانَهُمْ أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ They took their uh, rabbis and priests as gods besides Allah. When this particular ayah was revealed, what occurred? One of the companions came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said to him, We did not used to do that. Adi ibn Hatim. Adi ibn Hatim al-Ta'i radiallahu anhu. He came and said to the Prophet ﷺ, But we did not used to do that though. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, Did they not used to make haram for you that which is halal? And make halal for you that which is haram? And you used to follow them in that? He said, Yes. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, This is how they used to make halal for you that which is haram. And you used to follow them in that. And they used to make haram for you that which is halal and you used to follow them in that. So that is you taking them as gods besides Allah. Because making halal and haram is not for the people to decide. That is upon Allah that He gives the revelation of what is halal and what is haram. Then we also came across the ayah, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّنَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ There are those from amongst the people who take other partners alongside Allah and they love them as they love Allah. Those mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they used to claim that they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They used to claim that they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at the same time, they used to love their other deities also. So their love was not purely for Allah. Their love was not sincere for Allah. Rather it was split between Allah and their false deities. This love of theirs was split between Allah and the false deities. And therefore it is mentioned, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَا يَتَّخْوِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ As for those who believe, they are greater in their love for Allah. Why are those who believe greater in their love for Allah? Because those who believe, they have a love for Allah which is pure and sincere to Allah. As for the one who splits his worship between Allah and others, then he is upon shirk. So the mushrikeen, even if they claim they love Allah, they were loving their other deities and their statues too. 
So they were upon shirk. They were not making it sincere for Allah. Then we came across the chapters that were talking about wearing bands and bracelets and necklaces and other types of talismans, the ta'weez, these types of things. People wear them believing that it will protect them from evil. Believing it will take away the shayateen and the jinn from them. Believing that these necklaces and other types of things on their bracelets and armbands, the taweez as they call it, that all of these things will protect them from the evil, protect them from the shayateen. These items as we learnt, they are not the ones who protect you and this is a form of shirk, the one who does it. Because Allah said in the Qur'an, قُلْ أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا تَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Allah said to the mushrikeen, look at the ones you are calling upon besides Allah. إِنْ أَرَادَنِي اللَّهُ بِذُرِّنْ هَلْ هُنَّ كَاشِفَاتُ If Allah wanted some harm for me, would they be able to stop the harm or remove the harm? They cannot. And similarly, if Allah wanted some goodness for me, would they be able to stop that? They cannot. So these are the things people were putting their trust and their dependence in them. It is a great error. An error that is an error of shirk. In another narration it is mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ saw a man wearing a band, a type of bracelet. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, when he saw him wearing this bracelet made out of copper, that why are you wearing this particular bracelet made out of copper? قال من الواهنة He said it is because I have a disease in my hand or a weakness in my hand and this bracelet makes it better, it cures it. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Inza'ha, rip it off. Not just remove it, but rip it off. فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَزِيدُكَ إِلَّا وَهْنَا فَإِنَّكَ لَوْ مُتَّ وَهِيَ عَلَيْكَ مَا أَفْلِحْتَ أَبَدًا This bracelet will not help you. It will not help you. Rather, it will only make you weaker. And if you die with this on, putting your trust into this, depending in this, then you will not be successful. Because this is an act of shirk. So wearing these types of bracelets, wearing these types of taweez as the people call it, it is not correct. And when the people put their trust and dependence in them, then this is a form of shirk which is occurring from them. In the narration of Uqba ibn Amir, we learnt the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً فَلَا أَتَمَّ اللَّهُ لَا وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ وَدْعَةً فَلَا وَدْعَ اللَّهُ لَا that whomsoever wears these tama'im, these ta'wees and talismans, then Allah will not complete the affairs of that person for him. The affairs of that person will not be made good and finished and proper. The one who puts his trust and dependence on these types of items. Similarly, in another narration, it is mentioned that Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, radiallahu anhuma, he saw... Uh, a man, أَنَّهُ رَأَى رَجُلًا فِي يَدِهِ خَيْطٌ مِنَ الْحُمَّةِ That he saw a man wearing a piece of string on his hand. Hudayfa radiallahu anhu saw a man wearing a piece of string on his hand. So he said to him why, or the reason behind it was, because the man was wearing it due to fever. Believing that this string, this talisman will help to remove the fever. So Hudayfa radiallahu anhu cut it off. Cut it off. And said to him, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا هُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ Many of them do not believe in Allah except that they commit shirk. Similarly, we saw the narration of the Prophet 
that he commanded all of these talismans, these necklaces, these bracelets be chopped off the animals. Because in the olden times they used to put these types of taweez things on their animals too. Believing that the animals will be protected from the evil and the shirk, uh, from the evil and the uh, harm to them. So the Prophet ﷺ sent uh, Abu Bashir al-Ansari uh, to go uh, to cut, or he sent a person to go and cut off all of these types of necklaces found around the animals. Said, do not leave any of these around the necks of the animals, the camels, except that they are cut off. In the narration of Abdullah ibn Hukaym al-Juhani, it mentions, man shay'an wukila ilayhi. If you wear something and you put your trust into that necklace, into that taweez, then you will be left with that. You will be left with that, see if it helps you. Allah will abandon you to that. So that will be destruction for the person. So these types of necklaces and taweez and tama'im, talismans that people wear, they are impermissible and they are haram for a person to wear, believing in them, putting their trust in them, considering that this will bring them goodness and remove harm from them. That is all impermissible. Similarly, we did some chapters before regarding tabarruk, seeking blessings. That a person who seeks blessings from trees or stones or affairs of that nature, then this is impermissible and haram also clearly. The ones who seek blessings from a tree or from a stone or from affairs similar to that. The mushrikeen, that's what they used to do. Allah said in the Quran, Have you seen their idols? These idols of theirs that they used to worship. Have you seen these idols of theirs? They are upon nothing, they can do nothing, but they used to seek the barakah from them. In another narration of Abu Waqid in Al-Layfi, the famous narration when he said, خَرَجْنَا مَعَ That we went out with the Prophet ﷺ and we were very new to Islam. We had only left Kufr recently. خَرَجْنَا مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ and then when they came across a tree, لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ صِدْرَ يَعْكِفُونَ عِنْدَهَا وَيَنُطُونَ بِهَا أَسْلِحَتَهُمْ The mushrikeen used to have a tree. They used to put all of their swords and their shields on this tree, believing they get barakah into their weapons. So these Muslims who were new to Islam, they said to the Prophet ﷺ, they inquired and they asked, can we have a tree? Is there a tree where we can get barakah into our weapons too? Is there a tree where we can get barakah and we can put our things, hang them onto the tree? So then the Prophet ﷺ said to them, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. He was amazed or shocked at this or displeased at this. He said, إِنَّهَا السُّنَنْ قُلْتَ وَالَّذِي نَفْسِ بِيَدْهِ كَمَا قَالَتْ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلِ مُوسَىٰ إِجْعَلْ لَنَا إِلَهًا كَمَا لَهُمْ آلِهَا قَالَ إِنَّكُمْ قَوْمٌ تَجْهَلُونَ When the people of Musa ﷺ, the believers were saved from Pharaoh, and they got across the Red Sea, and Pharaoh was drowned, when they got across to the other side, they came across people who were worshipping the idols and the statues, the calves, etc. So they said to Musa salam, can you make for us these types of deities as they have these deities? So then Musa salam said to them, indeed you are a people who are ignorant. Ignorant of the reality that this is shirk yet. This cannot be allowed. This is impermissible, haram. So the Prophet salam clarified this to them in this narration. The impermissibility of seeking barakah 
from other dead things, dead people, as the people now go, for example, to the graves of the righteous, and they say they are seeking barakah from their graves. They say they are seeking barakah from their graves. Or they go to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, and they start wiping on the walls of the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, saying that they are seeking barakah. They're getting barakah from the graves of the Prophet ﷺ, the walls of the grave. Sometimes when they are doing hajj, when they go to Arafah, Muzdalifah, Mina, they get a jar and they fill it up with the sand from there and bring it home. They say, this is barakah in the sand. This is sand from Arafah. This is sand from Mina. Sand from Muzdalifah in this jar. And they keep the jar locked in home with this dirt in it. Dirt, sand. And they say, this is barakah. Some of them, they cut off from the Kaaba, some of the cloth, the black cloth. They cut it off and they bring it back and they say, barakah in this cloth, it was on the Kaaba. There is no barakah in this way. There is no barakah in this way. This is from the misguidance of the people. Barakah is not sought in that way. Blessings are not sought in that way. If you want barakah, then practice the Qur'an and the sunnah, implement the sunnah, the commandments, the obligations. Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon tawheed, and Allah will make your affairs with barakah in them. Just like a Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab said at the beginning of his other book, Al-Qawaid al-Arba'a, that I make dua, Allah makes you mubarakan aynama kunt. Allah makes you blessed wherever you are. That you be from the blessed wherever you are. And you will be from the blessed wherever you are, if you are upon the obedience and worship to Allah, not by wiping the walls of the Kaaba on the other sides, or cutting the cloth of it, or bringing soil back from Arafah, or wiping the walls of the graves. That is not barakah, that is all forms of shirk. So the people need to be aware of these affairs. These are chapters that we covered previously at the beginning of Kitab al-Tawheed. So that was a revision of the opening 10 chapters or so approximately. And everybody should be doing that type of revision on a regular basis. Should be doing that revision on a regular basis so that this book is well known to you. That all of these chapters are very familiar to you. Not that you open up a chapter of the book and you don't recognize it. Rather, you need to be upon a way whereby the whole book is familiar to you. Any chapter, we open it up and you remember it. Now we've done those opening chapters, you will have remembered those details that we did a long time ago when we started. You will remember those details regarding those chapters. And if you revise over them in this way, you remember those previous details and that knowledge it remains. Because the Salaf, they used to say the problem for people when it comes to knowledge is Afatul ilmi and nisyan the calamity with knowledge is that people forget. You gain some knowledge, but then the people, they forget their knowledge. So you need to keep revising over those sections. And inshallah, next week, we'll come back to where we were. And we'll start on the chapter regarding the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll conclude today upon that brief revision session. That's it, that's what the scholars they say. If he has some sins, then maybe he will be entered into paradise in a lower level. And if he doesn't have the sins, he made repentance, he'll be entered into higher level. So those sins could impact on which level he enters into. And not what through Without uh, uh, Jahannam, it can be. All sins, besides shirk, any of them could be forgiven, a person enters directly. It's possible. And otherwise, 
Otherwise, the meaning of it is that you are in hellfire only temporarily. Temporarily until you are cleansed of those sins and then paradise still. So that indicates the virtue of Tawheed that in the end you will be in paradise, whatever occurs.